My name is Grace. My name is Elaine, and welcome to Germs, Grace and Elaine's Ravishing Medical Stories. Our podcast covers a plethora of medical topics that are relevant in our current day society. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our podcast. Elaine, I'm so excited for today's episode. Me too. I'm sure a lot of people from RCHK already know who our guest is, so let's get right into it. Good idea. Today, we've invited Sophie, who has been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Hey, Sophie. Thanks for agreeing to be on our podcast today. Before we get to know your story a little bit more, can you tell us more about your illness? Yes, sure. So I have type 1 diabetes, which basically means that my pancreas doesn't produce insulin. Um, so just a little bit of a background information. Um, basically, your body needs insulin essentially to help glucose and your blood to enter your body cells and be used for energy. So type 1 diabetes specifically is an autoimmune disease which basically means your immune system mistakenly attacked the insulin producing cells on your pancreas and destroyed them yeah um so the causes for this aren't completely known and the most common conclusion people make is that it is a genetic condition which can be true some people have genes that make it more likely for them to develop type 1 diabetes but this isn't always the case Another cause that some doctors talk about is a virus that triggers the disease. Um, So Sophie, how does it affect your day-to-day life? So since my body isn't able to produce its own insulin, I need to manually inject it myself on a daily basis. So I have two types of medication. I have a short-acting one, which I use before meals, and I have a long-acting one, which I use before bed. I guess I also have to be a bit more aware and in control of general lifestyle habits and the kinds of foods I'm eating and how much of it I'm eating. And I mean, obviously I need to look at the sugar content in my food and drinks, but I also need to like keep track of my carb intake and just how much I'm eating every day. Um, um, so can I just ask, like, when you inject it, like, is there a specific area of the body where... Yeah. Okay. So there are like multiple different injection sites that you can do. You can do it on your stomach, your thighs, your arms, or your bum. But I personally prefer to do my mealtime ones in my stomach and my long-acting one at night in my thighs. Is it because like it gets concentrated or like faster delivery to that area, or um, is there not a specific really reason? like it? Like that wasn't really mentioned when I I I mean I've never tried okay. doing it on my arms or anything, so I don't really know, but. I guess it's just what I feel most comfortable with and the, the most accessible areas compared to like me reaching behind to do it on the right. back of my mm. arm. So. Yeah. Does it hurt when you inject yourself? Um, I think I might have just gotten used to it. Oh, but okay. And I, I know when I first ever did the injection because the nurse did it for me at the hospital yeah. and mm-hmm. showed me how to do it, it hurt less than I expected, but I was very scared because like, yeah, this is new. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it kind of depends where you do it as well because just from experience, uh-huh. I know that when I get closer to my belly button with the injection, it hurts a lot more uh-huh. than if I do it like towards the side of my stomach. What would happen if you like forget to take your own medication? So, um, if I forget to take my medication, that just means the food I eat will cause my blood sugar to go up, uh, be- just because it's not being absorbed. The glucose isn't being absorbed by insulin, so my glucose will go really, really high. And 
I will need to either like drink a lot of water to bring it down and take my injection of insulin like a little after because I need to bring it down some way or another. Other than that, I wouldn't say there are like too many major effects, like except the high or low blood glucose levels. So when that happens, I just kind of need to stop and either take a little bit of insulin if my glucose levels are too high um, or I have something sugary if they're too low. Ah, so what usually happens if you like forget to take your own medication? Well, because if I forget to take my own medication, I don't get insulin. So that means whatever meal I've just had will cause my blood glucose to go really, really high. And the general range is four to seven millimoles per liter. So that's the range of someone who's able to produce insulin. It will usually be kept within there. Mm. All right. So what happens like if it goes if your blood sugar level goes super high? Like it, yeah. Um, generally in daily daily life, if it goes too high, I'll be able to catch in time just because I do regular blood tests anyway. Mm -hmm. So I'll be able to realize it's too high now, so I need to do something about it. Um, but I know people who aren't aware they have type one diabetes, which is why they get sent to the hospital in the first place. It usually happens because they weren't aware they had type 1, so they weren't like doing insulin shots because they didn't know at all. So their blood sugar would go really, really high, and when it like reaches an extremely high point, um, something called diabetic ketoacidosis will happen. So this wow. is what actually sent me to the hospital. And basically, your body isn't getting um, glucose, or it's not absorbing the glucose and turning it into glycogen for fuel. So it starts to break down fat and muscle in your body. So people generally tend to get really, really weak really quickly mm -hmm. um, with like no apparent reason. Um, I was very, I was personally was very dehydrated. I was always nauseous and very exhausted, like with no cause, like no reason. I would just be so tired throughout the day and I would like slump at the end of the day. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So when did you know you had diabetes, or when were you diagnosed with it? I was diagnosed in 2017, so I was 13 years old when I found out. So before that, like, was it fine, or...? Um, I'm not... I mean, I thought I was fine. Like, clearly <laughs> I wasn't, but it, I wasn't aware. So I was just going about my day. I thought I was completely fine until maybe the a few months before I was diagnosed like the exhaustion started to occur more frequently mm -hmm. so at the end of the school day even if it wasn't like very rigorous i would be very very tired and i would like mm -hmm. fall asleep on the couch for no reason i was i didn't even do like exercise or anything i was just tired mm -hmm. so i think that was very like the first noticeable change and i didn't notice this but i know my parents did and it was i lost weight really really quickly and right. for no reason i was eating normally um, doing the same amount of exercise and just lost a lot of weight really quickly. So it just occurred like one day? It, um, it seemed, I mean, the weight loss and the exhaustion was over a few months, I would say, but okay. I know the weekend before I got sent to the hospital, I got really nauseous and I couldn't keep any food down, so I kept right. throwing it up and I ended up having a lot of difficulty breathing. Mm -hmm. And I got, I was sent to I went to a local doctor because, again, again, didn't know. Yeah. So they thought it was a stomach bug or like a oh, virus. Uh. So, and 
he prescribed me he was like drink some pokari sweat which is sugary (laughs) (laughs) so i was just drinking that and like there was no improvement and clearly it was it was making it worse but again didn't know so that's why i went to the hospital so is there anything in particular that you would not be able to do like um other people i wouldn't say that there's anything activity wise i can't do except like maybe eat sugary foods without an injection (laughs) but in terms of just daily activity or i don't know fun day outings there's not much i can't actually do Mm -hmm. i think a better way to put it was is probably i have yet to come across an activity that i had to like opt out of specifically because of my diabetes um given that i'm not having high or low blood glucose at that time but if i am having either high or low blood sugar levels i just need to take care of that and usually i'll be fine afterwards right um so like you mentioned you have to give yourself daily injections right and like take all of the medications to keep your blood sugar level like maintain a good level mm-hmm. um so throughout like the past few years what challenges have you overcome in like involving that kind of procedure i generally think the biggest challenge that comes with managing diabetes is controlling the blood sugar which it sounds not it doesn't sound that great because that's your basis that's what the basic thing you have to do is Mm -hmm. maintain and control your blood glucose levels and it sounds really simple on paper because it's about your diet your exercise and just maintaining that balance and Mm -hmm. like getting to know your body and knowing how it reacts but I think I can safely say that anyone who has type 1 diabetes or, or any form of diabetes will know it's not as easy as it seems just because there are so many factors that affect it. Um, and it's different for everyone as well. So for me, stress levels affect it, which as a DP student is not that great. <laughs> <laughs> um, for people, I don't know, people who have periods, periods will also affect it. Mm-hmm. So. I've, I personally find it very difficult to control my blood sugar levels when I'm on my period or when I'm nearing that time. And my period isn't regular. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it'll affect it the week before my period or during my period or the week after. So there, it kind of fluctuates and it's different every time. So if there's a period of time where I just can't seem to control my blood sugar levels for like no apparent reason, mm-hmm. maybe my period's coming next week. Um. You know, so... So, like, what if you can't control your blood sugar levels, then in the, is it, like, a long-term thing? or It, it isn't a long-term thing. It's usually just that period of time. It's, like, maybe, like maybe for exam season. I don't know what's going to happen then, but mm-hmm. I am expecting some change that I will have to kind of adjust to when it comes. Oh, okay. yeah. I mean, in the long term, if you have really uncontrolled diabetes over years and years and years, there are consequences to that so i think there's i don't i just increased risks of everything from like heart attack high cholesterol everything but that's over many many years of uncontrolled diabetes Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. i'm hoping won't happen yeah (laughs) yeah so um how often do you have to go for body checkups or like um that like changes from time to time because I currently I do yearly appointments with a dietitian okay and I do 
I, I don't know what's happening right now because I'm currently in a transitioning phase from a pediatric doctor to an adult um, oh, okay. clinic. So I don't exactly know what's happening with the appointments at this time. But previously, I would do a blood test every three months. So I would go for a blood test every three months. And then I would have a doctor's appointment the week after to discuss mm-hmm. just generally how I'm doing Am I managing it well? And then I will have, every six months, I have a meeting with a nurse, a diabetic nurse, which is different from the doctor's appointments because we we discuss a lot of similar things, but she is not able to prescribe any medication. The doctors have to do that. She's just kind of there to answer any specific questions I have or just to give me specific advice because she's a specialized Mm -hmm. um, diabetic nurse. Okay, so usually in that time, like, what kind of questions come up, or, I don't know. Um, usually it also depends on how I controlled my blood sugar, mm-hmm. like, in the months prior. So, if for some reason I'm having a lot of trouble managing it for whatever reason, maybe it was, like, exam period, it would be lo- looking at my medication and saying, do you think you need to adjust anything? given that you're going to have an exam soon mm. like like what what do you think you can do and like how can we help and right. just asking i think you should maybe lower this by like one or two units or you should increase yeah things like that just to clarify like yes um so are there certain foods that you can't eat or is it just that if you eat it then you have to make sure you eat like a certain only a certain amount in general, food that I eat have to stay within a certain amount. Okay. Oh. But foods I definitely can't eat. I would say anything sugary I can't eat. Like so anything? Like, like um, no, no, no. Of course, I, I'll, if I eat something sugary, I need to make sure I have done enough insulin to cover it. Right. But it is oh. not that great to keep on eating sugary foods and use your insulin to eat sugary foods when you can be using it for your actual meal. Mm-hmm. So I avoid it as much as possible unless it's like a special occasion, like a birthday. Maybe I'll have like a small slice of cake and a little bit of insulin with that, but it won't be a lot. Uh, I see. So in terms of like daily injections, how how does that work? Do you have like multiple... What's it? What's the thing called? <laughs> multiple syringes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> So there, there are different methods for like delivering insulin to yeah. your body. I use insulin pens. Okay. So it's like a pre-filled pen that I just like, there's like a oh. knob at the end. I twist to the amount I need. Oh. And then I um, have these screw-on needles. So I'll screw on to the other end of the pen and I just inject like oh. that. I know some people use syringes and like little vials, but okay. I've, never, I've never used that. And some people use insulin pumps, so it's like a continuous amount of insulin. And it, pumps are more effective, I would say, because it's a continuous monitoring, mm-hmm. and it will um, certain more high tech pumps, I should say, will look at your blood glucose and like release a certain amount of insulin throughout the day. Whenever like oh, oh. blood sugar is going too high, we'll give you a little bit of insulin, but. Oh. Those are expensive, so (laughs) I never, (laughs) I've never looked into that. Are there any 
like additional personal experiences that you'd like to share to our listeners? Um, I do have like one little story. Like I, I don't think it's a funny story. I wouldn't say it's funny. You might think it's funny, but I don't know. So I used to have like a slight fear of needles before I got diagnosed, which is not that great because <laughs> yeah. I use needles every day now. So, mm. um, but anyway, I mean, I mentioned before that I have, I have to do blood tests every three months. So um, there was that to get used to, and I got used to it pretty quickly. I should say, like I don't really have a problem with like watching when the nurse sticks a needle and watching my blood you know spurt into a little tube (laughs) (laughs) which is fine um but I do remember one time maybe this was like third or fourth time I've ever done and gone to do a blood test um they stuck me with a training nurse oh yeah I'm like you I knew it was a training nurse because they had like their superior standing right there and like watching them which probably made them a bit nervous because when they stuck the needle in me i felt so much pain (laughs) which was so like it was shocking to me because all previous times it had been with like trained practice yeah Yeah, i've done this so many times before i don't really feel anything it's just like a pinprick and that's Mm -hmm. it and i think what shocked me more is that it hurt more when they took the needle out this time than when they stuck it in so I mean, I expected to go in and, like, barely be able to feel anything in and out in, like, 10 minutes. Yeah. And, yeah, it was it was an interesting experience, to say wow. the least. Wait, so, like, if they injected it in the wrong side, clearly they injected it in the wrong side, right? Um, I don't think it was the wrong side. I think they just weren't, like, they didn't have enough practice because the oh, training nurse. Okay. Yeah, because it hurts. Like, yeah. They're mm-hmm. so What can people do to support um, other people with diabetes? Or in particular, type 1 diabetes? You mean generally day-to-day? Yeah. Um, like, medically, there's I wouldn't say there's a whole bunch you can do just because the person with the, the diabetes knows their body the best and right. they're able to, I guess, look at their food and know how their body will react to it. But I guess a little bit of understanding will probably help. Mm. So if they have high or low blood glucose at like whatever time like during fun outing a little bit of understanding to know that oh they have to like take a little bit of time and step away and like Mm -hmm. sort it out themselves and then come back Mm. so i think that's what i can think of right now anyway of what most people can do wait i want to ask if like people with diabetes but they don't know that they have it and they just keep do, doing their regular thing what's gonna happen i mean that's I that's what happened die. to me oh sorry. <laughs> no, no 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 it's <laughs> okay like this is most yeah. this is how most people find out they have type one because it's not like you're gonna go to the hospital every now and then to like check do i have type one diabetes right. like, so most people when they get diagnosed they don't know and they go to the hospital because of ketoacidosis which i mean i mentioned that before mm-hmm. so um I'm not too sure of like exactly what happens because I know I I was told about this like many years ago when I first got diagnosed so mm-hmm. not completely sure but I'm pretty sure it's um because your body is breaking down fat and muscle mm-hmm. instead of your food for oh. fuel it like builds up acids in your bloodstream and those are like 
those are called ketones, which is why it's ketoacidosis. Okay. So it builds up ketones in your bloodstream and it eventually gets released into your urine. And that leads to like a whole bunch of other symptoms that first put me in the hospital in the first place. So like my frequent dehydration, exhaustion, weight loss, because burning fat muscle. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, so dehydration also is because of yes burning fat and muscle yes mm. and like it just makes you really really thirsty for for like no reason i was drinking many bottles of water a day wow. and like could not seem to quench my thirst at mm-hmm. any point just constantly dehydrated it was not fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then yeah ketone oh i should also mention that because it's being released into your urine it creates a really your urine becomes really sweet okay. so it's like Wait, sh- a know? sugary environment oh. and that oh, we learned about this in bio did you <laughs> yeah <kinda. laughs> Wait, you take you take bio i too. do take bio yeah oh so it's like i do take bio really easy for you not yeah. really <laughs> I would not, maybe maybe this specific Topic. part easy. yes right. yeah. Yeah. Wait. So continue your um pee. <laughs> your pee becomes very sweet and it creates like a sugary environment and it's really it becomes really ideal for like bacteria to grow there right so like if you have a vagina i'm just gonna like Mm -hmm. be straight up because of how close like your pee will like be around that area it is really easy to get vaginal infections for like what what you would think is no reason like why do i have a vaginal infection for absolutely no reason and it's because there's bacteria growing and you don't know much. Because of the yes, the sugary, urine. sweet urine that makes it yeah. a really in- ideal environment for bacteria to grow there. Oh wow! Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, Sophie, and like talking to us about your experience and um, you know letting us know more about like the scientific aspects of diabetes. Um, do you have anything to say before we close? I mean, nothing except you're welcome. <laughs> so I can thank you. <laughs> Let me come here and talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I hope everyone had uh, gained some insightful information on diabetes as well. Thank you for listening, everyone, and make sure you tune in for our next podcast because we'll be bringing a lot of interesting stories to you guys.